It's the JT the Brick Show. Open Adams at the 35, racing to the 20, 10, touchdown Raiders! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Gets the snap, Raiders bring a blitz, he takes him off the middle, and he's wrapped up from behind. Guess who? Max Crosby! Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Spinning around, he throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield, and a step forward! Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. It scores! Oh my goodness! And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio, the flagship of the Silver and Black. I'll be heading out to Los Angeles after the show to be there for the second of the joint practices. Vinny Bonsignor will join us coming up a little bit. He was at practice today. He'll let us know what looked good, what did not look good. It seems like the Raiders did not have their best day today. Matthew Stafford had a couple of good throws against the Raiders' secondary. Uh, Max Crosby was challenging his teammates. Uh, it's tough for me to get on the radio and tell you if I wasn't there for that, so we have an expert in Vinny coming up at the bottom of the hour, and he'll tell us everything that would happen earlier today. Henderson, Nevada is in the Little League World Series. It's the bottom of the third. Pitching duel. Rhode Island won. Henderson, nothing. So we're seeing a couple of great pitchers at the Little League level go toe-to-toe. A lot of strikeouts so far in this game, but we'll keep an eye on that. We want Henderson to win. This is an unbelievable local story here in Southern Nevada. It'd be great for Henderson to win in advance the way Mountain Ridge did a few years ago. And it had the whole city of Vegas and Southern Nevada on the edge of their seat. Hopefully something good could happen with that. Tyree Wilson returned to practice today, and so did Devontae Adams. The good news is Tyree was close to coming back. They waited as long as they could, or pretty much as long as they could, so they'd be in a position so they'd have an opportunity to hold them out until they needed them. I'm actually quite surprised. I knew he'd be ready to go. I thought he was ready to go in practice, but they brought him out for practice against the Rams. Not in the team drills, but the individual drills there, so that's good. We'll talk to Vinny about that coming up here in a bit. And the Ram game, Rams won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. There's still some Super Bowl players and some talent on that roster, so it'll be a good test for Las Vegas Saturday night at SoFi Stadium. A big business trip. The Raiders left on Sunday due to their travel days and days off in the NFL Players Association and the Union when they could travel players on an off day or not, so the Raiders have been out there. They're going to spend the whole week in Los Angeles. You could look at it as a bonding experiment or a bonding opportunity. I don't care much about that. They got a great practice facility in Henderson. They'll bond out there at the team hotel and the practices in South Thousand Oaks and hopefully be ready to put up another good performance. Then it'll be the Dallas game. After the Dallas game, we'll have a little time off before the first regular season game on the road against the Denver Broncos. Denver, I think, also has been struggling. Raiders haven't struggled. They look good in their preseason game. But Denver, Denver's had some problems. They've had some injuries. And it looks like Russell Wilson is going to play a bunch in the preseason here. What does Sean Payton see that we don't see? Don't know. I want to see Russell Wilson playing more in the preseason. That sends a signal to me that Sean Payton does not think he's 100% ready with his system to get in there and be really good. That's the only other way I see this. Great cover story at ESPN.com on Marcus Peters. If you go to ESPN.com, he says, "Um, I was always a Raider. Marcus Peters feels at home wearing the number of 24 Paul Gutierrez with the cover story. Go check it out. Lee Sterling joins us from Paramount Sports. My longtime friend and one of the better handicappers ever. 
And Lee, let's begin. Preseason football, I'm noticing that more handicappers and people like yourself who have been doing this a while think it's a good time for betters to get some practice in and have a better opportunity to win. How do you deal with the preseason? Lee, are you there? I am. How go, are you? Go ahead, Lee. Go ahead. What's happening? I'm good. Um, <laughs> been quite a summer. Uh, my oldest daughter got engaged. I think you might have seen it yeah. uh, on social media um, in Italy. So that was exciting. And uh, we were over there also able to see her the day after. And uh, at a hotel we were at, uh, ran into Adam Sandler uh, mm. the weekend, the artist, and also... Uh, uh, the lead singer for the t- Pretenders back in the day. So uh, pretty darn good summer. Awesome. Tell us about preseason football, why yep. it's smart for gamblers to get a head start with the value uh, before the regular season starts and these regular season games jump all over everyone. So you've you got to do your homework. I mean, it's all about information in preseason. Number one, coaching. Uh, certain coaches out there like John Harbaugh, he's won, I think it's 24 straight uh, game something like twenty one to twenty four against the spread in preseason. So coaches like that value it. Uh, some other coaches, you know, the ownership is telling them, hey, we got to build some momentum, meaning you know, try to win the preseason game so we can sell season tickets. And you see it in the practices. I mean, look at the Raiders last week dominated the Forty ers in their joint practices, and it carried over, and it usually does into the preseason game. So. Those are some of the things I look for. And then on top of that, quarterback rotations. I mean, there's some teams out there, I mean, like Bill Belichick, he just rolls out guys. He's almost never going to play starters. Um, he's just looking at different combinations. And uh, uh, when you've got you know, second-teamers going up against third- and fourth-teamers, they're usually going to get the upper hand. Uh, uh, Lee, how do you deal with futures bets now? There's a lot of gamblers that bet a futures bet when the odds initially come out and then – there are those who wait to the last second because they get a chance to watch the preseason. They read up a lot. They try to get a little bit more information before they bet a season win total. Typically, how have you done it in the past? What's the best way to do this? So I, I don't play 20 or 30 win totals. Uh, I do play probably six to eight in college football in the NFL. And, you know, the key is to when, – when you're looking first at, at any win total, when you play unders in the long haul, you're going to win. Why? Because if you added up all the wins on the win totals, people don't realize this. Uh, let's say the number, you know, was 180 wins total um, that a team, all these teams can have. They'll end up with like 192 on the on the over win total. So um, playing unders is a, is a real value there. And, and and then what happened the year before, carrying over to the next year? Uh, you know they love to put these totals, bump up some of the totals based on what you saw last year. And there's a big difference. Let's take, for instance, in college football, Tennessee Volunteers. Last year, Hendon Hooker, I thought before he got injured, by far should have gotten the Heisman Trophy. 27 touchdowns, only two interceptions. Teams were not able to adapt to that two-by-two spread offense. And uh, this year, Joe Milton, He's decent, just not the same. So I think teams are going to study up on Tennessee, the 9.5 over total here, plus 140. Uh, I'm going to go under, uh, under at minus 175. Uh, I mean, they could lose to Florida in week three here, Texas A&M, Alabama, and Georgia. I think they lose four or five games. And then another team is Florida State. Talk about a team that, that had re- break their way the year before. They were 5-7. and seven. No one was 
really preparing for Florida State. They ended up getting so lucky they faced five straight backup quarterbacks in the middle of the season. So you may not ever see that happen again. Good team, but if they lose to LSU out of the gate, uh, I think they're in trouble. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Going to the NFL here on the Raiders' flagship. Uh, Raiders' season win total, 6.5. I don't like that number, but I know that the Sharps are right. And I know the Sharps normally get it right. Mm-hmm. And last year, the Raiders lost five double-digit leads in the second half. Not five double-digit leads. Five double-digit leads in the second half. So that led me to believe that they were probably a nine-win nine team. An eight-minimum nine-win team. And then all of a sudden, the number jumped down to six and a half and I'm looking at it and I think the Raiders got better on depth on defense they should have they will have Josh Jacobs back Devontae Adams Jacoby Myers they get Michael Mayer why are people trending off the Raiders to uh, win seven games or less or six games and not more than that what's the narrative on the Raiders struggling this year I think the narrative is everyone thinks every other team in the division is that much better, right. and I don't see it that way. Now, Kansas City defense is actually a really good defense. They're young, and they were probably one of the main reasons they ended up winning the Super Bowl. But, you know, everyone knows their quarterback. Everyone knows that, you know, Russ, Russell Wilson now has a top-flight coach coaching him, but he's not the same quarterback. I mean, the Chargers are the Chargers. They're going to find ways to lose and, and have guys get injured. So, do I think they're going to win a division? Probably not, but I could see them winning eight games. And remember this also, AFC, each team in the AFC plays nine home games and eight away games. So that's important also. At least Sterling's our guest. I like what you said about Denver. Raiders open up at Denver. When you see a player like Russell Wilson playing, he's going to play in the second preseason game too. Does that send an alarm to you that Sean Payton doesn't like what he's seen so far and he needs more work or – it doesn't mean anything. He just wants to get his quarterback in the game here in a better rhythm. What should I read into that? Oh, I think he's. I think he realizes that he's got to change everything with Russell Wilson. I mean, try to get him back to close to where he was before. I mean, he was. Well, here's the problem with with most people in the public. They see a guy in a uniform and they look the same. Like even guys like Dan Marino near the end, they look the same, but their drop back just a split second slower. Their release a split second slower. Uh, also, maybe a little bit less on the ball than they had a few years. And all those things combined, uh, in the NFL, the athletes are so great, it turns you, a lot of times a completion a, or a big gainer into an interception. And Russell Wilson, just I just think he's a weird cat. Just don't think, I'm not saying he doesn't work hard. Um, just think that he lost it. I was listening to you, Millen, a couple years ago. You, Millen, I think three years ago, was pointing out that things that Russell Wilson used to read and be all over, make decisions and make defenses pay for, he wasn't doing it. And he was one of the first guys about three years ago that pointed this out, former NFL quarterback, and I saw the same thing. So I think Denver's in trouble. You know, are, are they going to be as bad as last year? Probably not, but uh, I think it's tough to all of a sudden, uh, once we say when a quarterback's green light comes on, and there's guys like Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is going to be fabulous. But when the red light comes on, a guy's career is almost over. Lee Sterling, as we wrap it up, my big decision to make before I do my Super Bowl preview show, you know I do that before the start of the season. I like to get my picks out because there's a lot of people in my business and your business that like to pick the Super Bowl the week of the Super Bowl. Now I pick it before the season starts and I stand by it. And I'm leaning Dallas over Philadelphia just because of Philadelphia's schedule. Philadelphia's schedule's brutal. 
you know, Dallas plays in the same division, so it's similar, but I just like Dallas's defense a little bit more. Philadelphia lost several good players after their Super Bowl run, but they had a great draft picking up a lot of those Georgia defensive players that they took early. Handicap the Cowboys and the Eagles for me. Give me a nugget that you like between those two teams. Who has the best chance to win the NFC East? I still think Philadelphia. You hit on the Georgia players. These are guys that are coming to the NFL and doing extremely well. Think about it. If they, they didn't get a sack in that game in the Super Bowl, if they get one sack, one stop, they win the Super Bowl. So they might be a little sluggish early, and I also take this into handicapping teams that win the Super Bowl uh, and also lose the Super Bowl. First couple weeks of the season, slow starters. I like to bet against them, but I think Philadelphia is clearly – the best team in the NFC. And talk about AFC. I'm going to give you a team. I think it's got some problems here on defense is Buffalo. I was watching some tapes of guys down the stretch now. Don't know if it's completely because of injuries. I'll probably watch uh, the game this week and also the first week. But some of those defensive guys who were former All-Pros just didn't seem like the second same player going down the stretch. So uh, I am not bullish on Buffalo at all, and I think a team to look out for. I don't know if they're ready for the Super Bowl, but the Jacksonville Jaguars, my best bet of anything. We're talking about win totals. Jacksonville minus 170 to win the division. Houston, not ready for prime time. Indianapolis starting there's another team in, in the division starting a rookie quarterback. They might be lucky to win four games. In Tennessee, if things go wrong, Ryan Tannehill, he may not be the starter by midseason. Jacksonville is a scary good team. Jacksonville, wow, that's a great bet. You're giving everyone here for free on winning the division. Lee, we'll talk to you a bunch during the season. Thanks so much. Congratulations to your daughter on getting engaged. All the best. Thanks so much. Take care, buddy. Take care. Lee Sterling. ParamountSports.com, one of the handicappers that I've been using for, I don't know, 20 years? And I'll go back 20 years with Lee, and he'll join us along with Jeff Sermon. We're adding another uh, Vegas insider handicapper to the show this year. We'll let you know when we make that official with one of our proud partners here on the show. And uh, he's excited about his offseason. I'm excited my son went back to college today, my wife. I don't think she's listening to the show, but she drove to Tempe, Arizona to bring my son back to college for his junior year at Arizona State University. So I said goodbye to my son today, gave him a big hug. He had a good summer. He worked a lot. He played a lot of golf. He built his golf bag, got a club, and worked at a golf shop and had a great time. It was a really good summer for my son. So I'm going to miss him. He headed back and uh, trying to find a game where I could go out and see ASU as ASU will move to the Big 12 the year after that. It's incredible, as I said. My oldest, who graduated from Oklahoma, he starts off in the Big 12. Now Oklahoma's going to the SEC. And my other son at ASU starts off in the Pac-12, and before he graduates, they'll be in the Big 12. College football moving, it's insanity. The AP poll came out yesterday with some of the rankings there, and it's going to be the haves and have-nots. The AP came out yesterday, Georgia, number one. uh, No surprise there, they're going for a three-peat. Michigan at number two. Michigan with 1,490 points right behind Georgia, Number three, the Ohio State, and number four, Alabama. Five is LSU. Six is USC with Caleb Williams. Penn uh, Penn State, number seven. The Seminoles of Florida State at eight. Clemson, nine. And Washington out of the Pac-12 at number 10. Texas out of the top 10 at number 11. Oregon at 15. Uh, My son's alma mater, Oklahoma, at 20. They start really far down here. 
And Texas A&M, a team at 23 with Jimbo Fisher, if he doesn't win this year, it could be his last year. When we come back, some more sound that we'll get to. Nevada has struck out 12 times already in the Little League World Series. 12 times, and we're only in the bottom of the fourth inning. It seems like this kid, every pitch he throws is a Nevada player striking out. It is Rhode Island 1, Nevada nothing, as this game is now in the bottom of the fourth inning on ESPN, and we're keeping an eye on it here. Big story here in town. We need them to get going. We're brought to you by the 872 laborers who built the Allegiant Stadium on time and on budget. I think the off-the-field stuff is incredibly important, like the camaraderie, uh, coming together as a position group, as a team, you know, an offense, a defense. So all the little things kind of matter in my experience. Um, you know, the smallest little things make the biggest difference in the long run. So uh, it's always good to get time together with the guys, especially for me. Like, I got here a little bit later. I didn't have the benefit of OTAs to get to know a lot of these guys. So it's been a cool experience just to be out here. It's beautiful, you know, this part of the country. And, um, you know, just having a good time. JT, back with you as we continue on. And Henderson's running into some trouble here. As we open up the show, Rhode Island won. Henderson, Nevada, nothing. Rhode Island has it. Bases loaded. One out here. About to break this game open. But there's so many strikeouts in this game for both teams. I've never seen a bunch of Little Leaguers strike out so much in a game. In this one nothing game. So hopefully Henderson can keep this tight. Keep this close together. And uh, we could have an opportunity for them maybe to steal this game late. Uh, that was Van Roten on the other side and now coming in to play on this offensive line. Good player. A couple of good performances on that offensive line in the first game for the Raiders. As I'm going through all the notes here, Vinny Bonsignor is going to join us here coming up in a little bit. A few other points I wanted to make about season win totals as it looked like Lee Sterling who just lost us. That's a pass ball. Another run scores for Rhode Island. Wild pitch for Henderson, 2 nothing Rhode Island, bottom of the fourth inning in the Little League World Series. The Raiders' season win total is 6.5, which means they need to win seven games for you to go over the total. Uh, Lee said eight games there in that interview, and he said that. I didn't ask him. He just brought it up in a conversation. I would hope that the Raiders would win more than seven games this year. If not, it's going to be really disappointing for me. I can imagine what it's going to be like for you. But as a season ticket holder and a guy who has to fill two hours a day without 17 co-hosts, I'm going to have to sit here and talk about this team, and I don't want to talk about this team winning six games. Six games is the under. So if the Raiders win six games here, you would lose your bet. If you took the under, I think the Raiders are an eight, nine win team. And for those who want me to predict it, I never predict victories. I never sit here and give season win totals on the team that I work for. But you better believe I'm going to take over six and a half. A couple of the other season wins, I mean, the Raiders are six and a half, and the Cleveland Browns are nine and a half. There's more people that think Cleveland will win 10 games than the Raiders will win seven. That seems off to me. The Patriots, who the Raiders beat last year, their win total is seven and a half. You take the over, you think they can win eight. The Raiders have the same win total as the Houston Texans. Do you understand how much better a football team and organization the Las Vegas Raiders are than the Houston Texans as of today? Vastly different, but the prognosticators don't think so. So when the Vegas insiders make a prediction, they put a lot of work into it too. 
I'm more biased. I want the Raiders to win. I want to see the Raiders win eight, nine, ten games. The guys in Vegas, the bent noses and the sports book directors, they don't care who wins anything. They're trying to set a number that will get you to bet. Uh, the lowest win total this season is the Cardinals at four and a half. The Commanders have the same season win total as the Las Vegas Raiders, six and a half. And the Broncos, once again, oh my God, we all could have made millions of dollars. We could have made a lot of money. By the way, another pass ball, another pass ball. Rhode Island takes a 3 nothing lead over Henderson, Nevada, bottom of the fourth in the Little League World Series. The Broncos' season win total is eight and a half. This team's lost six of seven against the Raiders. They've been a train wreck the last couple of years, and people think they're going to come out and win nine games just rolling out of bed. Season win total, something we'll be talking about a lot heading up to game one. Mike in Staten, Italy. You even got the Giants where you are, Mikey. Seven and a half season win total. They went to the playoffs and won a playoff game last year. Yeah, you know, JT, you talk about the Giants. You know, you talk to 10 different people you're getting from them going to be a Super Bowl contender to them getting the first pick in the, uh, in the draft. I'm with you. Uh, with the Raiders. I think their offense is top five offense in the league. Their defense is getting better and better. Every play they signed, I think they made a clear effort to get speed. You, you and me will be, you know, they, they play in a murders division with, with Kansas City, with the Chargers, and, and we've dominated the Broncos. But our, our other rest of the schedule, if we had the Ravens schedule, uh, we'd win 10 games. But we don't, so we got to deal with it. But, my, you know, last year, me and you were big on the, uh, the Detroit Lions over five and a half. Uh, that was the one we're making. My big bet this year for under over, uh, I think the Titans are going to be terrible. Uh, under over a seven and a half juice to the under. That's my best bet of the year under Titans seven and a half games. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that, Mikey, because what could happen there, which would be important, if the Titans are struggling, they're going to make a quarterback change to Will Levis. They have to. Correct. They got two quarterbacks that are backing up Tannehill. So if Tannehill doesn't get him off to a good start, I think they're going to pull him and then just let these two quarterbacks fight out there. And I think Willis will win the job and get him a couple of extra starts, and they might be in the tank. That's a very good, very good prediction, other than the fact that they have a good coach. Mike Vrabel doesn't like to lose football games and normally has his team prepared to win every game they play. And, and JT, one more thing when we're talking about a little gambling. You just have to bet the Ravens in the preseason every game. It, he's mm-hmm. amazing. Harbaugh wants to win. He wants to win a coin flip to- tournament. He, you, you bet the Ravens every game. And, and, I, and you know what? The Raiders are starting to become a great exhibition season, too. With their, they're winning all their exhibition games. But it's a, it's a tough thing, JT. One, one injury uh, then the depth, let's see how the depth plays out. But uh, you have mm-hmm. real good, great show, JT, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the call. Yeah, you know, look, this John Harbaugh doesn't lose in the preseason. If you just started rolling your money into the preseason and went down that road, you want a lot of money. Vinny Bonsignor joins us from L.A., where I'll see him tomorrow. Uh, Vinny, good to talk to you. I kind of get out of the way. It doesn't look like the Raiders had a great day today. What was your big analysis of their performance today against the Rams? Yeah, just felt um, a little sluggish uh, throughout, especially to uh, to start off with. Uh, I don't know if it was, you know, most of these guys hadn't practiced since Friday. Uh, remember, they didn't play. Most of the starters didn't play, and they, they've had off uh, since last Friday. So uh, a little bit of a slow start. Um, I think what was encouraging is uh, there were a lot of players um, who found it unacceptable and didn't like it, left a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth. So 
you know, a standard being created. They didn't live up to that standard today, and they weren't happy about that. And I think that's kind of good news in the big scheme of things. I know that Jimmy G hooked up with Philip Dorsett on a big, big pass, but Dorsett also went down in the practice. What have you learned? We didn't see Jimmy Garoppolo play in the preseason game. It was all Aiden O'Connell. How did Jimmy look earlier today? Yeah, I felt he looked, you know, solid. Um, it wasn't, you know, he was he, he couple missed a couple of passes, uh, but was was fairly crisp throughout. It was more just a general vibe, you know. It felt like kind of it started off just a little bit lethargic uh, for for the Raiders, you know, on both sides of the ball, and uh, you know, it got progressively better as the day went on. Uh, but again, it wasn't something that anybody was really happy about, and I think everyone's, uh, you know, from the Raiders' perspective is is eager to get back out there tomorrow and kind of redeem themselves. Vinny, were you surprised by Devontae Adams being cleared for practice? Did you think there'd be a few more days considering the hit he took against the 49ers this past Friday? Yeah, um, I, I, you know, maybe a little bit, but, you know, in retrospect, I shouldn't be. Um, you know, Devontae Adams, there isn't a bigger warrior than Devontae Adams. Um, you're going to have to really uh, fight him tooth and nail. Uh, to to keep him off the whatever field it is, whether it's in a game or or on the practice field, he just does not like to miss time. And I also feel like uh, talking to some people, you know, he he's he knows that he's a leader on this team, um, and you know, players follow leaders. And when 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 the rest of the Raiders see that, you know, we were there on the field and we saw Devontae take a pretty big hit, um, and he's not missing any practice time as a result of it. Nobody would have batted an eye had he. But the fact that he didn't, I think, sends a message, and I know that he knows that. It sends a message uh, to the, throughout that re- the rest of the locker room, like it better be pretty serious for you not to be out there practicing, and, and I think guys get that message. It sounds like Matthew Stafford had a couple of good throws today. Give us a Rams perspective of what they did well today and what the Raiders will have in store to defend them on Saturday. Yeah, I'm not quite sure Matthew's going to play uh, on Saturday, but uh, I'll tell you what, he looked really good, uh, and he looked mm-hmm. like he's healthy, and I don't think that he was ever healthy. Uh, at all last year. Remember, he missed all of OTAs and uh, a lot of training camp, um, you know, kind of coming back from, from uh, some arm issues that he had to uh, that he had to deal with. He looked like the old Matthew Stafford today. And I was talking to some Rams people, and, and their hope is that, you know, is this a Super Bowl team? Maybe not. Um, but with that kind of a quarterback, uh, and their defense is still pretty good, and they've got Aaron Donald. Aaron wasn't out there today. He took a, a day off today. Uh, but they feel like with that kind of a quarterback, they could be competitive. And, and you look around the NFC, and who are the super teams? You know, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles, but, you know, really where are the other super, super, super teams? I don't really think there are any um, in the NFC. So they feel like uh, if Matthew could be Matthew uh, again, they've got a shot to go out there and compete on a weekly basis. Vinny Bonsignor joins us from Los Angeles to join practices with the Raiders on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio Tyree Wilson, I knew he was close to coming back. They could have brought him back at a practice in Las Vegas, and Henderson decided to do it in Los Angeles. Why was that, in your opinion, that he debuted today? Yeah, I think it was just the timing of it all. Um, you know, they, it's, it's literally following the, uh, the, the doctor's orders and the training, camps, uh, the training staff's uh, orders. So I think it was just kind of a coincidence that it, that it occurred here uh, rather than back home in Las Vegas. Uh, but he was, you know, cleared to, to do some stuff. He wasn't out there during team drills, so uh, he wasn't lining up against the Rams uh, in any kind of a meaningful uh, sort of a way. Definitely wasn't out there for seven on sevens or, or any kind of uh, eleven on elevens. And, and even when they when they went to 
some of the one-on-one uh, drills with, with the Rams. He was working primarily with his own players, so it's still a little bit more of a ramp-up uh, for him. I've got to understand, he hasn't been, as Josh McDaniels talked about it, he hasn't been in a football uniform since last November. <laughs> so uh, no need to, to rush it. They want him for the balance of the season, so they're kind of easing him away, uh, his way into it. Uh, wrapping it up with Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny, in, very interesting to me now at this point with Michael Mayer. Uh, there's more that I'm not hearing about Michael Mayer than I'm hearing about him, and I'm eager to see him practice and play, and I don't know if it's a priority or not. Do we have to see him practice enough in the preseason where he could start week one with all the film study and the practice work he's had? What's the time frame to see Michael Mayer more on a consistent basis? Yeah, well, he was out there today, so that was Good. encouraging. He and he and Hunter were, were out there, so... Um... You know that was a big positive for the Raiders today, and uh, he was, he, uh, you know, he he was, he didn't, he wasn't like I wouldn't say that he was full throttle, but but when they went to eleven on eleven uh, against the Rams, uh, he was in there uh, as well, and he was having a really strong camp up until whatever he tweaked uh, about uh, almost two weeks ago now. Uh, but but yeah, it was encouraging to see Big eighty seven out there, and I know that the Raiders have some big plans for him, so uh, this is probably the perfect time for him to get back. Uh, and get back on track so that uh, so that he could be a factor in week one. Hey, Vinny, finally, you, you covered the Rams, and you, you covered them for a while before you got the Raiders beat. The Rams end up winning the Super Bowl, and they did it by going all in. They had a quarterback under control financially. Then they went out and got Matthew Stafford and went all in. And Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup played you know, the triple crown for wide receiver. It's hard to thread the needle that way. Many teams have tried. We've just seen the 49ers come to Las Vegas, and they don't have the quarterback with the experience like a Stafford, a great player, but the rest of their roster is pretty strong. What do you notice with Dave Ziegler as he's trying to build this Raiders team to consistency compared to the Sean McVay model? Yeah, and you got to throw in Les Snead, the, uh, the mm-hmm, Rams general sure. manager as well, kind of the architect uh, behind all of that. Um, you know, the Rams going for it was also – uh, part of the aftermath of drafting really, really well. I mean, they, they put together, you know, when you talk about Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup, you know, Rob Havenstein and Todd Gurley was part of that for a little while, while as well. You go on and on and on, and the foundation was draft picks, draft and development. And then they got to a point where, okay, go trade for Marcus Peters and then trade Marcus Peters to go get Jalen Ramsey and, you know, uh, bring in Vaughn Miller, you know, and, and so they started <clears> – <throat> You know, and obviously Matthew Stafford giving up first-round picks for guys that they felt could help right now. Uh, but the irony of it all is that you know, even though you say, well, you know, the Rams gave up all these draft picks, but if you look back since 2016, and that was the last time they had a first-round pick, and that was a guy by the name of Jared Goff, they've also drafted, they've also executed probably top three amount of draft picks. So they haven't had a first and sometimes second rounder. But when you look. Throughout the depth of the draft, they've been uh, executing more picks than pretty much everybody in the NFL. It's just third rounds, fourth rounds, fifth rounds. So they still, and I'm, I'm, I was looking at them today, thinking there's some good young talent uh, on this team. It might not be household names right now, but um, I, I think Les and his, his group always do a good job uh, of drafting. So there's some young guys now uh, that they're going to be counting on in the year or two to, to be the foundation for this team. But if you go back, when you when when they were adding Jalen Ramsey and Marcus Peters and Robert Woods or you know trading for um, you know guys that they traded for, it was to it was to enhance the foundation that was already in place, which was all done by draft and development. So that was the icing on the cake for them. But it's not it's definitely not what their philosophy has has always been. They went for it 
after building that foundation. Now they have to build another foundation and try to figure out a time to be able to go for it again. All right, Vinny, your fans want to drink tequila with you at the SoFi parking lot. Those who are coming to, from Las Vegas, tell us about your tequila partner as always. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I want to mention a couple of local places, uh, the Fight Club uh, over at the Venetian Hotel. Uh, they've partnered up with those Cotas and, uh, you know, put together some great packages. Tell them Vinny B sent you. You'll get hooked up. Uh, and then also um, the Count Room uh, over at the Flamingo, the, the historic Flamingo uh, Hotel, uh, the Count Room Speakeasy. They've also teamed up with Dos Cotas Tequila. Uh, if you mentioned Vinny B, you're going to get hooked up as well. So those two spots are, are, uh, are, are new ones for Dos Cotas. Great, Vinny. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you, J.D. All right, Vinny Bonsignor from Los Angeles, where the Raiders had a sluggish day. That's the word he used. Uh, Henderson hit a home run. So a solo shot. Henderson's got a runner on. Excuse me. They got a runner on first, two outs, trailing three to one. Uh, Henderson trying to get to this pitcher from Rhode Island who was pitching an unbelievable game. He had a no-hitter going for a while, and then they just uh, hit a home run, and they're in on this. Connor Curtis has thrown 80 pitches, 58 strikes for Rhode Island, and they're trying to get him out of this game. Maybe get a walk here for Henderson. For those who are listening, we have a Little League World Series on in Williamsport, and we have a team from Southern Nevada, Henderson representing Nevada, trailing 3-1. to one. So Vinny said sluggish, and that, that sounds like it. Did they have the right to be sluggish? Yeah, I think they could be sluggish. You'd be sluggish, you had a bad day. You start off slow, but I'm surprised that this team would start off slow in a joint practice. That doesn't sound like the Las Vegas Raiders under Josh McDaniels, where they would have an average practice. Not everything is going to be fantastic. Not every day is going to be perfect here, but interesting to see that they were a little bit sluggish today. They're trying to work some players in healthier. Nice that he reported on Michael Mayer, who had the ability to come out there and practice today. Tyree Wilson on the individual drills. They left some players back home. As Josh McDaniels mentioned, if a player is going through treatment and a player isn't at 100%, why bring them out to Los Angeles where they could get all their treatment in Henderson at the best facility out there? So if they're able to do that, I'm good with that too. And I have no idea who's going to play. I was at the Raiders earlier this morning uh, meeting with the guy I'm working with, Mike Taylor, on the offense and defense depth chart for the game. And we're going with it again. We're not expecting many of the starters to play. And it would be a nice surprise, a wide receiver. I don't expect to see Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, uh, Jacoby Myers, uh, excuse me, Myers, Renfro, Adams, Trey Tucker. He played in the first game. DeAndre Carter, uh, Chris Lacey, will we see them? Christian Wilkerson, the Raiders also signed Isaiah Zuber. He'll come in and play. Keenan Cole Sr. and Cam Sims. And then Philip Dorsett, who reportedly got a 70-yard touchdown today, but also was banged up and slow to get up on a play. So how are we going to see this go forward? How many Raiders are going to play in this game that you'd like to see? I would assume Devontae Adams would not sniff the sideline. And what do the Raiders do now that Brandon Parker's gone? Dalton Wagner had a couple of good snaps. He could play left tackle, swing tackle. Will we see Colton Miller? Another guy I don't plan on seeing in the preseason. Illuminor, Thayer Mumford, how much do you want to see of them? And then when we get to the running back position, more heavy Zamir White. Zeus should be running the ball. What about Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden, Britton Brown, Darwin Thompson, Damian Williams, and Sincere McCormick, who was able to have a touchdown? And one shocking news for me, uh, no Jakob Johnson in the first preseason game, and they went heavy with tight ends at the fullback position. That was pretty interesting to see. 702-365-9200. Only open phone segment I have is this one. 
coming up before the top of the hour if you want to get through. A quiet day in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is speaking up about hard knocks. Uh, The Jets got called out on hard knocks because their offensive line hasn't been playing as good. And Aaron Rodgers is now going to test his offensive lineman. Aaron Rodgers is not joking around. And a big injury in the NFL. The Buccaneers lose a wide receiver. Russell Gage has gone for the year with the season-ending injury. So the Buccaneers are one lower at wide receiver. Mike Evans and what they have there with Godwin, they're pretty good. Uh, Baker Mayfield in a competition battle uh, with Kyle Trask to play quarterback for that team. I still think that Baker Mayfield is going to win out with that job. 702-365-9200. Thanks again to Vinny Bonsignor, who has the budget with the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Vegas Nation, and Raider Nation Radio to get out on the road and be our eyes and ears at practice. Thanks for everybody who supports us, including Grimaldi's. Best pizza I ever had. My wife got my son's, my son's last night at home last night, the Brooklyn Bridge Pizza. Just go to Grimaldi's, tell them JT sent you, and ask for the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, I mean, definitely in joint practice, how we how we structure them, I would say it's always like that one-on-one is the first thing we do after stretching. And, uh, you know, so it, it takes a while to kind of warm up, especially, you know, being that we're in an unfamiliar territory, new place to get ready for practice and stuff like that. So, I mean, after one-on-ones, it always pick up. It's Roderick Teamer earlier today. JT, welcome back. On the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by Modelo with the Fighting Spirit of Modelo. You know, I have a bucket of Modelo's on Friday. I will do that on Friday. I don't know if I'll get, be able to get a bucket at the Raiders Team Hotel, but I'll definitely get a Los Angeles Modelo Cerveza out at the Team Hotel on Friday. Harry Ruiz is in for me, and happy birthday to Harry Ruiz. I think Harry had a birthday yesterday. We always, we love Harry here on this show, as you know, and we wish Harry nothing but the best. A belated birthday for Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black, his birthday yesterday. Say happy birthday to Harry Ruiz. So trying to get this Henderson team to come back here. Rhode Island 3, Nevada 1. We're in the bottom of the fifth inning, one out. And just need an opportunity to get a home run. Little League World Series, a lot of it's about home runs, pass balls. Uh, Henderson trying to hold this game to 3-1 to one so they have an opportunity to get one more at bat. Here, get a bat in the top of the sixth inning and get something going. Raider Dave is out in Denver. How are you, Dave? I'm doing good, man. Great to hear you. Excellent calls on the weekend, man. Congratulations with that. I'm sure it was a lot of fun. Uh, It was. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate you listening. And before you call, I got to know, what are they saying in Denver now? Because you got your eyes and ears there. Are they worried about Russell Wilson and this chemistry with the new head coach, or they think they're on the right path? I think it's like scratching an old scab that keeps on bleeding. They can't get this thing to heal just right, and that's why you're seeing them out there a whole bunch. And I don't think it's going to change much because this offensive line is not one of the top 10, top 15 offensive lines, and that's really going to keep Russell on the move, even though he wanted to come here and be more of a you know a Brady-type quarterback from in the pocket. It's just not working out that way. So it's going to be interesting to see how that new coach, Peyton, is going to go ahead and customize the offense to do the best or use the best you know, skills that he has 
uh, as far as Wilson has, in order to make him more comfortable and, and letting him cook, I guess they could say. But this brings me to the point of the, when I met you a few years ago at a Raider-Denver opening game, the very last season the Raiders were in Oakland, I met you behind the Raiders' sideline at, uh, at pregame. That was the night that Abrams, I think, got hurt. But we had discussed that that was like a playoff atmosphere that was so important for both of those teams to win. And I think that's what's going to happen here with this first game this season. The Broncos really want it. That's why they put it on early on the schedule. And I think the Raiders ought to want this big enough to where they come down to Air Force Academy and practice about five days ahead of this game. I think they should seriously think about that. And I bet that uh, McDaniels is because that's something Belichick has done before to get his team acclimated to the altitude. You know, I thought Aiden O'Connell played a really good game. I got to hand it to the coach to have given him plays that he could master and come in and run some vanilla stuff. But, man, he was only three drop passes by the receivers and one throwaway away from being perfect. So everybody else that's, you know, looking at CBS Sports or whatever it is and their rundown of who did the best, there's no way that anybody did better than Aiden O'Connell. I think it's going to be great. I can't wait to see him do some more, and I certainly hope that whatever plays he has with the ones are the type of plays that they're going to use in Denver because I know the preseason stuff is just so vanilla. But this defense and being at a new intensity, I think that's what it's going to take to go ahead and start this season off great. So having some of these guys sit out a little while, I don't mind it because they've got to come into Denver and start this season with no injuries. I would put uh, Jacobs on a 14-day watch list. I think if he is in here within the next 13, 14 days, he starts uh, with uh, the Denver game. So that is a countdown that I think all of Raider Nation should probably pay attention to. Appreciate the time, JT. Thank you very much. Can't wait to see you and BK when you guys get out here. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate the call. I don't want to hear about Josh Jacobs being on any countdown. I need him to play at Denver. Uh, Josh Jacobs is getting some time away from the team because he has the right to be away from the team. He hasn't signed his franchise tag, and that's the only leverage that he has. He has to play on the franchise tag. We all know this. And he gets to stay away from the team. But at a point, he needs to come back, and he needs to be in that lineup for that first game. I think Zamir White's a hell of a young player and can do a lot of good things. But I want to see Zeus in that game. He's got to be in that game. He's got to be running hard because if he's able to pick up some first downs where Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have to throw on third and short, or if it's second and six and Josh Jacobs is picking up a first down, then that keeps the offense out on the field a little bit longer. All of this is very important for the Raiders to get off and have an opportunity to win that game. Henderson just gets a double play to get out of the inning on a pass ball strikeout. They throw to first, then come back home and get out of the inning. Rhode Island has only one hit in the entire game, and they're winning 3-1. to one. Rhode Island has one hit in the Little League World Series, and they're winning the game 3-1. to one. So this has been an absolute pitcher's duel, and we're going to have to see Nevada have a great moment here coming up here. Hey, I'd like to thank all of our proud partners this week, as we always do, because Harry's jumping in. I want to make sure I get this in. Uh, before I head out to the airport today, I got contractors working in my backyard trying to find a water leak. I got to get on a plane. I got to find my way to the airport here in a minute. But I always thank our proud partners on this show. I begin with Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. They do a great job. Remy Quantro and the birthday of the margarita. The birthday of the margarita is coming up. Man, do we have some cool promotions with that. The black hole. 
Go to theblackhole.com, click on memberships. That's all I can tell you to do. Become a member of the Black Hole, please. If you're a fan of the Raiders, why wouldn't you be a member of the Black Hole? They're giving you exclusivity into the most notorious fan club in all of professional sports. All you got to do is get on board and be a member. want to thank our friends at Modelo, the DeCastaverde Law Group, Golden Entertainment from PTs to everything they do at the Strat. Thank you so much for the partnership. Grimaldi's, the best pizza I ever had. My jeweler, Michael E. Minden, my diamond jeweler, right there in the Fashion Show Mall on the second floor right next to Macy's. Hey, the partner in your life deserves a diamond. They deserve some jewelry. You got a birthday coming up? You got something coming up for a member of your family? Become a Minden gal. Go to Michael E. Minden. Raising Canes, who has a big event tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to raise money for Maui. So listen all day tomorrow on Lotus Broadcasting as we're going to do a promotion for Maui and try to raise some money via Raising Canes. Remy Quantro and Resorts World. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. I'm off to L.A. I'll be at practice tomorrow. I'll report back. And listen to the game on Saturday night as I'll call it on the radio. Thanks a lot for listening. Q coming up with a great show as always. This is Raider Nation Radio.